This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. And now, Joe and Pat present Sports Talk's Person of the Day. This is lifted out to center. It's deep enough to score Brusseño. Smolenski's underneath it. He'll tag and score. Fontana heads the third. Angels lead it 8-0 as Trout picks up his 46th RBI. Well, everybody's heard about the bird. Mike Trout is closing in on his 1,000th game. Uh, in, uh, and he is historic in his uh, greatness through 1,000 games. Trout is having his best season yet. Even though he couldn't get a hit against our fighting twins, we handled him. He's leading the majors in home runs, 23, runs, 60, walks, 60. Not leading in doubles, you can see that, don't you? Mm -hmm. Uh, On-base percentage, 459. Okay, I'll throw it in there even though I don't approve of it. OPS, 1,140. You're very much against your anti-OPS. I am anti-OPS. 1,147. And war, which I'm really anti-against. 6.3 is good, less than a half a season, though, right? (laughs) That means he's going to be about 15. Right, by the time the season's Uh, over with. uh, But all-time leaders in... In uh, in hits, where's Trout? He's uh, number Charlie Finley's career war in an Angels uniform. The pitcher was fifty two one. This guy's already sixty point five. Uh, he's uh, he's like Willie Mays like in his uh, in his uh, stats in uh, many areas. He's just uh, fantastic statistically, and there's a long piece on ESPN today just telling you where the, the all the people that he's better than in his uh, career. And the guy, the amazing thing about the guy is he does not look like he has a four four hundred thirteen on base percentage. That's higher than Roger, Rogers, Hornsby, Joe DiMaggio, Ricky Henderson, Willie Mays, and Frank Robinson wow. at this point Oof. of his career. He has 216 doubles. That's more than Rogers, Hornsby, Mel Ott, Willie Mays, Roberto Clemente, and Mickey Mantle at that point of his career. His 574 slugging is higher than Frank Robinson, Stan Musial, Henry Aaron, Mel Ott, and Ken Griffey Jr. 224 home runs. That's more than these players through a thousand games. Ted Williams, Mickey Mantle, Mike Schmidt, Lou Gehrig, and Hank Aaron. 483 extra base hits. 
That's more than Frank Robinson, Ken Griffey Jr., and Barry Bonds. The guy is phenomenal. Uh, 178 steals and 224 homers, and uh, nobody has uh, compared with that. So uh, you know the other impressive thing about him too is he he's a great defensive player too. He's a yes. really good outfielder, and he he goes barreling into walls and. He plays. He never gets and hurt. What is he's he? durable. 6'2", 240? Yeah, he's built like a mm. linebacker. He is, he is a damn linebacker. Unbelievable. He's uh, he's just uh, an amazing player. And he's I only 26, know. folks. Yep. Wow. When are they going to pay him again? Well, they gave him the he's decent signed through extension, 2020, right? I think. Okay. Now, he was at Cedar Rapids, of course, when it was an Angels farm club. Mm-hmm. And the when Buxton showed up there, they were saying... It reminds us a little of Trout. At this point, it's not looking that way. No, I think the comparison uh, point, stop. there's been a gap created. Just Trout's, a little bit of a Trout's gap. Trout's yeah. 26 and his buck still 24, right? He hasn't turned 25 yet, I don't think. Sano's turned 25. Well, I don't think we buck. can say that Buxton's a better outfielder. Yes, because he did win the platinum. You know what we forget about Buxton? He won the platinum glove last right. year. He played enough in the in, for the Twins last year to be considered the best defensive player in the American League, the best fielder in the American League. But right now, the the Trout Buxton comparison does uh, kind of falls off the board. Wouldn't you? Say? I would say so. Yeah. And he's going to have to do a little bit more uh, at the plate to uh, to start up that conversation again. I and Trout is uh, signed through 2020. What did he sign, Manny? Do you have it in front of you? Right Six there? years, 145 million. Cheap. Yeah. So he's going to be say. 28. And they ain't going to have enough money to pay him. By the way, they're not going to make the playoffs with Otani hurt now. Oh yeah. They're Seattle is. You know, Seattle's only a couple Houston games behind the Astros. Yeah, Houston just won eleven in a row, and has, Seattle's a game and a half behind them. Yeah. Uh, so you're gonna when you got Seattle and you got the Red Sox as your wild cards. I don't know about our boys for the wild card. Can oh. they get to ninety two? You mean the Twins? Are you talking? Yes. No, I don't like their chances of getting a wild card. We're gonna. I think 30, they gotta hope that uh, thirty-one and the guys in 30, Cleveland kind of fall off 31, a little bit. Yeah, yeah, ninety-two. 92 and 60, so they'd have to go 61 and 23. That's That'd be a good You run. see, Guardy's boys are only a game How under 500. That? Yeah. How about Who'd that? they play over the weekend? Uh, who did they play? Because I know they were home. They, they won like five in a row. They were exchanging. Bro- well, it's all the goose. They've lost like three games see, since the goose. You doubted the rally goose. The ra- I did not doubt the rally goose. <laughs> I have seen the rally monkey. That's right. I saw him do his magic. I saw him come out of the scoreboard door and do his magic with the, with angels. the 2002 angels you said something about you they won't be able to afford him in, in for the angels is that what is that what you said when the, when his contract comes out no, nobody will be able to afford him what are you going to pay him 600 million well you know what's going to happen is whatever they're going to whoever's going to pay harper this offseason by the way you're going to have to add about his by the way harper Playing tonight against the Yankees has shaved his beard. No, yes, that's what I saw. He has shaved his beard. Well, they just finished the makeup game because we got MLB Network on in here. I didn't see him uh, see well, him I come to the play. Playing tonight. Well, they're, this was the that partial game yes. that they're oh, make oh, that they, they made up, and then they're one. playing the full game tonight. Okay, Guardies uh, Tigers swept the Whiteys over the weekend. By the way, 
Whitey's are uh, having a bad year. Worst yeah, year they're, in franchise they're, history. They're having and, a tough time. Worst start in franchise history, and they started in 1901. Well, they split with our lads at That's Target Field. Well, yeah, two evenly matched teams. Uh, we'll be, wow. Speaking of which, Thad Levine, the Twins general manager, <laughs> will be with us. The Ride with Royce. A voice such as one hears once in a hundred years. On 1500 ESPN. Twins uh, having an off day today before the mighty Red Sox and Mookie Betts uh, comes to uh, uh, town uh, for the three-game series that will uh, draw well at Target Field. And uh, Mookie Betts, uh, Thad Levine, is having a competitor for the greatest small player in the big leagues with our guy, the amazing Esco. Uh, Eduardo Escobar has played exceptionally well so far. It has been a, tr- a tremendous uh, storyline to our season thus far. As as you know, and any fan who's watched him play, he plays with a smile from ear to ear. He's one of the most popular players in our clubhouse. And to get an opportunity to play every day and to perform at the level he has been, I, I think everyone on our team is rooting for him. And he's performed exceptionally well. And last year he did the same. When uh, Miguel Sano was out last year, he stepped into an everyday role, and it's he, he is starts the season as our tenth offensive player, and he usually finishes somewhere in the top three or four. <laughs> He's on track to do that again this year. He, uh, it's amazing what can happen if you can run a little bit, and when you leave the batter's box, you think it's going to be a double, no matter where you hit it, right? Well, and I think he's somehow still underestimated in, in the league. He's got bona fide power from both sides of the plate, and. You know, as evidenced by the number of doubles he's put up, as well as home runs, uh, this guy has done some significant damage uh, when he's been at the plate. Uh, as as I, one of my good friends of the game, Paul Egan, says, he swings with bad intentions and usually <laughs> delivers. Yeah, it is. He, uh, I remember when uh, when he first came here, the one of the knocks on him was he swung too hard. Well, he's still swinging hard. <laughs> Well, it, it, no one complains about that when you actually make contact and swing hard. It's when you uh, swing through it and, and swing too hard. Uh, but he's been making a lot of contact recently. And give him a ton of credit for stepping up when we've had some, some other guys suffer some injuries earlier in the season. Uh, he has solidified himself in the middle of our order. Uh, both he and Eddie Rosario have just done, done everything they possibly can to help uh, buoy our offense uh, through some of these injuries early in the season. I, I I heard Smalley talking about him uh, last week, and he uh, would, until he gets to two strikes, he's looking for a pitch where he's looking for it. You know, he, he likes it down. He likes the ball down, especially left-handed, and and he's 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 ready to hit if it's a pitch he likes. Then when he gets to two strikes, he's ready 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 to hit everything. But it's an interesting approach. Well, don't go telling everybody in the league what he likes. <laughs> the man does seem to have a sweet tooth for the ball low in the zone. Uh, but I think what he's demonstrated is he, he can hit the elevated fastball as well. You know, when, yeah. when he does get to that two strikes, he's one of those hitters who believes he can hit damn near anything you throw at him, and he tries to occasionally, and he's successful more often than not. It's a real tough guy to pitch to uh, with just his bat control and his ability to b- bring the barrel of the ball he hits balls in the zone, but he's also one of those guys who hits balls out of the zone. So if you're advancing for him, I'm not really sure how you attack him uh, just because he seems to be able to put barrel to the ball when when you throw the ball anywhere near the plate. 
uh, especially through this run where he's been swinging the bat with such confidence. It is really interesting, the small guys. Uh, you know, Altuve can get on top of the ball, and he's about 5'4", five, 5'5". Five, five. Of course, Petroya and uh, and Mookie Betts, I mentioned. There's there's a little bit of an advantage of having a small strike zone, I think. Well, I think it's a small strike zone, and I think a lot of uh, your kind of old, old generation scouts would tell you that the fact that you have shorter arms, it allows you to get to the ball a little bit quicker. Yeah. Uh, when you look historically at some of the guys who were perennial batting champions, I think there were guys who were somewhere between, you know, five nine and six feet tall. And I think part of the reason is they're a little bit quicker, quicker to the ball. You know, the, the guys who have longer arms tend to hit for a little bit more power, but it's also a little bit tougher to bring the bat to the ball with the consistency that guys like Eduardo can. But it's a lot more than that, obviously. But he's he's just really elevated his game this season and second half of last year as well. Uh, but he's he's putting a lot into play right now. The the height is the least of his concerns as he steps up there. I think he's one of those guys. He fancies himself about six foot two. <laughs> I, I think he'd be shocked to find out he's somewhere closer to five eight. It is uh, it is amazing. I mean, it it becomes a cliche when when sports writers and uh, team executives try to tell you what a good guy is. But uh, you know, I discovered that four or five years ago, just watching the byplay in the clubhouse when when he people came in and he was just kind of sitting on the bench, and it was it was needle Eddie eduardo day all the time and he would give it back and it was uh it's and you know the kids running around and he's just he really is a good dude he, he's, he's a glue guy you know and i think when when you're building a team and you aspire to play deep into the season and ideally into the postseason you're looking for guys who genuinely care about the well-being of the guys around them and are prepared to elevate the guys games uh, by holding them accountable, but also trying to bring the best out of them. And I think Eduardo does that because he cares enough to get to know the guys. So I think imminently he puts guys at ease when he's around because he's lighthearted. But I also think he just genuinely cares about these guys such that when a guy's you know going good, he finds out why he's going good so that he can then remind him when maybe he's not going quite as good of the things he was doing in his routine to help him succeed on the field. I think he just has that level of care for his teammates I think that's pretty unique, and I think that's what makes him really special. We had a Eddie Rosario instructional video on Saturday in uh, Detroit. He uh, four first pitch hits, uh, got picked off first, made it to second, uh, ran off second, got caught before he with a runner was standing on third, and then he uh, he airmailed the throw when he had no chance to throw the guy out. So you'll take the four hits and the uh, the run scored and uh, and put up with Eddie being Eddie. Well, there, there, there's nothing he's not capable of, quite <laughs> frankly. He, he spans the spectrum. If, if you're playing Eddie Rosario bingo at the beginning of the game, it's going to be an entertaining game. Uh, I, I mean, I can't, can't say enough positives about yeah. what he's done with his game as well. You know, I, I think uh, he had some growing pains through his development at the major league level. Uh, some people, I think, question some of his work ethic and his maturity, and I think he's really established himself as a bona fide threat in in the major leagues. I, I I look back to, you know, clearly very good season last year, 2017. I thought it was a very seminal moment for his development when we were in Yankee Stadium playing in a playoff game. Yeah. And after our first inning home run, they just stopped pitching to him for the rest of the game. And that that's tremendous praise for a, a batter who was in a lineup that had a lot of offensive pieces. Uh, he was the guy, <clears throat> excuse me, that they just simply chose to pitch around. Uh, and, and I think he's carried that into the season. He is 
you know, tracking, I think, to, to be a strong consideration for the All-Star game, as is Eduardo Escobar. And I think those are positions those two guys have earned. Uh, they've really worked their, their cabooses off, and they're contributing on all sides of the ball right now. Uh, Eduardo playing multiple positions, Eddie doing it in a lot of different ways when the games have been on the line. Uh, those two guys have been instrumental to the success we've had so far this season. And, uh, you know, the, no matter what was going on with him, and some people were down on him three, four years ago, he's always had those magic hands, man. <laughs> he's got the, you can't, if he knows a fastball is coming, you can't throw it by him. Well, I think, I think it's exactly right. And, you know, there are not many guys in the game can do what he can do, which is, he can hit a triple. He can throw a guy out at the plate. He can hit the ball out of the ballpark. He can steal a base. Uh, you, you cited some of the, you know, some of the upsides and downsides that, that he brings to the table. But the reality is the scope of the ways he can help you win a baseball game is very unique in, in the game. A lot of, of players don't have the multifacets that Eddie Rosario has. He does. And I think if you are willing to, to live through some of the, the challenges, he, he's a guy who, in my opinion, just wants to win a little bit more than most people. And as a result, he's not the most popular player in the league because I think other teams recognize that. But I, every championship team I've ever worked for has had that type of personality on their team, a guy who his drive to win is just a little bit more elevated than the average player in the game. Uh, what? Uh, who are some of the uh, leading uh, people down there in Fort Myers who uh, you can get working with Miguel here that Miguel has a – has a relationship with that can uh, maybe uh, help him out and get him back here in a month or so and hitting the ball again? Well, it's it's on a few fronts. So the, really the reason, as I think we've, uh, Derek's mentioned a few times in the media, the reason we sent him down there was, was a lot to do with the facilities that Fort Myers has to offer. Uh, with what we're trying to accomplish with Miguel from a conditioning standpoint as well as uh, getting him back to a place where he's a force offensively, we just felt that was the best place to start that journey. And so we've got some great strength and conditioning guys down there, Dave Rack, Ian Kadish. Those two guys worked with him this offseason uh, when he was coming back from his injury, so they have a history with him. So that, that's a great starting place. Ramon Borrego is our, is our manager down there, has a history with Miguel Sano, is bilingual, we think will be a great asset in this. And then finally, and probably most important, Sam Perlazzo, will be going in and out of, of Fort Myers throughout Miguel's time there to help him work on his defensive agilities at, at third base and at first base. So I think with the talent of scouts, I mean, as uh, sorry, coaches, as well as strength and conditioning staff down there, I think we think it's just a great place for him to build his foundation. Once that foundation is built, we'll get him back through the system, playing at higher levels with the goal of getting him back to the big leagues. But this was really an investment in Miguel's near-term and his long-term future with the franchise, we felt it was the right time to take a half-step back to hopefully vault him back forward to being the, the bona fide perennial all-star that he proved he could be last year. Uh, and you have uh, Buxton. Uh, you started him at Rochester. Uh, somewhere in there, uh, hopefully, is the swing you saw in August and September, I would guess. Huh? Absolutely right. And I, and I think... In, in Byron's case, it, it's really challenging for us to evaluate the offensive performance against the backdrop of what was two injuries he sustained this season. Uh, one was the migraines, and then two was the broken toe. Uh, I think our supposition is that the broken toe did derail some of the offensive mechanics that let, lent themselves to the success he had second half last year. So we want to see how he performs when he's fully healthy, when he's on two good feet up there, the, the, literally his foundation to hit. 
and he's he's going down on his rehab assignment armed with a lot of great materials from James Rouston and Rudy Hernandez, our two hitting coaches at the major league level. They've communicated with Chad Allen, and we're very confident that the program that we're going to build around them is not only designed to get him healthy, but also get his bat going. And if we can accomplish that with Miguel and with Byron, uh, we certainly believe we're going to elevate our offense in the major league level and get it back to uh, the potency that it was uh, second half of last year, where I think it was established as one of the top four or five offenses in the game. What was the reaction when you guys heard that Polanco had shut his finger in a car, uh, shut a car door on his finger? Uh, any any talk about the way luck was going this year? <laughs> you know, I, I you know it's funny you say that. There, I think it's a, it's dangerous when uh, you start hearing people in the office say, "Hey, are we cursed?" <laughs> uh, it, but certainly, I think that those uh, more than uh, expletives, the, those words were uttered at some point. Uh, the good news is that it looks like he's going to get back on track. Uh, he he may not quite have as long of a rehab as evidenced by the fact that he's not out there just yet. Uh, but it's something that I think we feel like he'll be able to get back out and play. Uh, it was a really unfortunate injury. We've all done it before. We've, we've all closed a door on, on on a finger before. What unfortunately was exacerbated here is the infection that he sustained oh. in the cut. I didn't know uh, about then, the infection. <laughs> yeah, that, that that then was what uh, really uh, exacerbated and, and put him on the shelf for about seven days as he's now trying to recover from that. But I think the good news is the worst is behind him. Uh, he had done such positive work with the group down there. I can't say enough about what he did in terms of committing to the younger players down there and helping them learn. And, you know, we're hopeful that when he comes back to the big leagues, we may see an even better version of Jorge Blanco, and he was a pretty darn good player second half of last year. The way things are going, spray those field for ticks down there, will you? Uh, we uh, we don't know what's, uh, what, what, what could be out there. Thanks for your time, Thad. My pleasure, Roycey. Thanks for having me on. All right, uh, Thad Levine, the Twins general manager. We shall return. Johnny, I mentioned this to you earlier today, but I must repeat it. Uh I never thought that uh, our friend Reavers could be accused of having too much positive impact on something occurring as he did it's unfair how much influence he had on the choice of Ferbo as one of the co-hosts <laughs> one of the co-hosts this is the first time you've ever been accused of that right uh, probably too positive of an influence i, I believe that that's probably the case so yes. uh, tell us again what were the the state baseball board an interesting group very diverse collection. The words of Patrick Royce, not Chris Reavers, by the way. <laughs> Has chosen the sites for the 2019 and 20 tournaments. No, what, uh, the uh, 2021 and the 2022 okay. tournament sites. Right. So, so uh, we uh, we went up there, myself and my uh, my cohort, Charlie Lechtenberg, and uh, we partnered with the Dundas Dukes. And we you, made a presentation. And you got it for what year? We got it for the year of 2022. And who got 2021? 2021 got... will be in Chaska and uh, and uh, Waconia. Okay, all right. Have you, so... by the way, have you been out to Waconia and seen their new ballpark? No, I have not. Holy crap, is it nice? Mm-hmm. It's right on the side of the of the high school. Really? But uh, boy, they the, well the. They have a really good baseball association out. When you go to a high school uh, park, though, can you sell beer? 
You have to go through, uh, I think, other loopholes. There's but yes, no you can. sense in having the state amateur baseball tournament if you can't sell. If beer. you can't sell beer, <laughs> you're not going to get the beer. Here right? is a three minute report from Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patrick. Uh, this update sponsored by Jersey Mike Subs. The sub above difference is legendary with Jersey Mike's. Throwing an unforgettable party is easy. You supply the perfect guests, they'll supply the perfect sub. I fully endorse Jersey Mike's. By the way, Jersey very Mi- fine uh, sub. Jersey Mike's be a sub above. The Twin Cities back on the regular PGA Tour schedule for the first time since 1969. A seven-year agreement announced today between tour officials and 3M. It'll bring a PGA stop to the TPC Twin Cities in Blaine for a new FedEx Cup season event starting next summer. The dates for the 3M Open will be announced in the coming weeks. Twins off today. They're back home uh, tomorrow to kick off a six-game homestand. It starts with three against the Red Sox, ends with three against the Rangers. Uh, Twins 31-37, and third place in the American League Central. Five games behind Cleveland. They're in first, of course. Tigers are in second. Twins are two and a half games behind. I heard them. an interesting thing watching the Red Sox uh, last night. Jackie Bradley and Mookie Betts are the best of friends, but Jackie never calls him Mookie. He always calls him Marcus. Really? <laughs> <By his laughs> name. Interesting. Yes. Minnesota Wild have been selected as a first-time host this fall of the USA Hockey All-American Prospects game. These how are, are we? How is it a first time for them? It's the first time. It's the first time. Oh, this is the first the event. Game. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the seventh annual. Okay, mm-hmm. so seventh Shut annual event <laughs> featuring the top 40 U.S.-born prospects eligible for the 2019 draft. It'll be played September 19th at the Excel Energy Center. Uh, four of the first six contests were held in Buffalo, New York, Pittsburgh, and Philadelphia. Uh, so if you're wondering, Chris, that's where it was. Mm-hmm. There you go. What? Yeah, mm-hmm. I figured. I'd like to too busy looking at I'd your like Twitter. to officially announce I won't be there, but go ahead. <laughs> Barry Trotz abruptly stepping down as coach of the Washington Capitals today after failing to agree to terms on a new contract, leaving the newly minted Stanley Cup champions without a coach. Ovi, player coach. Yes, Ovi, player that is coach. a genius idea. because yes. he's going to have to work himself back into shape <laughs> yes, anyway. Right. Winning the cup less than two weeks ago triggered a two-year extension for Trotz that would have given him a slight bump in salary to just over $2 million. Uh, Trotz and the team could not agree, though, on an annual salary that would have put him in line with other cup-winning coaches. Mm-hmm. Vikings honoring Denny Green. Uh, he passed away, of course, in 2016. He will be the lone member inducted into the Vikings Ring of Honor class in 2018. He coached the Vikings from 1992 until 2002. His induction, September 23rd, during halftime at U.S. Bank Stadium. High school baseball today. Stillwater defeated Minnetonka to win the state championship. Four to nothing. Uh, Drew Gilbert with a complete game. 15 strikeout effort for Stillwater. All right. Thank you. You bet. Uh, ESPN golf columnist uh, on his way out of uh, New York after the. on the massacre at Shinnecock Hills, nothing shorty, no shortage of topics to write about this week, sir. It was uh, crazy, um, yeah, and especially Saturday. It was uh, an all-timer, lots of, lots of stuff going on, things I don't think we ever expected to see, that's for sure. Yeah, it was uh, it it was amazing. Uh, I think Phil was trying to show up the USGA, but that's just me. I think there's something to that. Because uh, uh, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was, it was poor form to do what he did, and 
Uh, it certainly got a lot of attention, and it was a way to shine a light on, you know, the fact that a ball that's eight feet from the hole could actually go off the green. Um, he probably would have been better off letting it go off the green and letting everybody see how far away it got from the hole and then to explain afterwards that that's pretty silly. But instead, he made it about himself and breaking a rule and, you know, is this cheating or is this a good rule or a bad rule? And, you know, I would have liked to see where that ball really ended up. It probably would have been ridiculous. And he would have had been justified to point that out, as other players did throughout the day on Saturday. I mean, the course got away from them, and you had player after player talking about the absurdity of it all. And, and this was exactly the issue the USGA said uh, that uh, they, they would not let it happen again, and it happened again. Yes, I wanted to ask you that. Uh, after the experience of 2004, you would have thought they would have erred on the side of caution. What happened in the Friday night meeting to decide how to set up the golf course? I mean, it's it's unbelievable that they would put themselves in that predicament again. It's exactly right. I mean, they you, you're right. They talked about, uh, you know, technology being better, you know, Different people were in charge then. Uh, they have the ways to, to figure out what, what the weather's going to be. Well, they obviously didn't because they they said that they did not expect the wind to be as much of a factor as it was. Well, you know, it was forecast to be 15 to 20 miles an hour with some gusts higher than that. You're on an exposed piece of property. You're near the ocean. Of course it's going to dry. <laughs> uh and, and then you put pins in some very precarious positions. You know, unfortunately, some of those pins should have been in those precarious positions yesterday uh, after they watered. You know, and, in other words, then, then you've got the perfect balance. You've got a little bit of water and moisture in the greens and you've got some tough pins, but there's, there's these grass there to hold the ball up. You know, uh, so that... It's just unfortunate, and obviously there it, it, it wasn't bad early in the day. We had a couple of good scores early, 266 and 68, but they were early in the day, the only ones under 70. Clearly there had to be some good fortune involved to be able to shoot those scores on, on a course that was getting that way, uh, you know, good for them. But then, you know, Ricky Fowler shooting 84 and then shooting 65 yesterday. Yes. I mean, that just tells it's not like his game is in the dumps. Uh, you know, he he had he hit some bad shots or some poor shots that were that were exponentially penalized for him to shoot 84. Uh, you know, Phil even with the fiasco that happened to him, you know, shot 81. You know, he tied his highest score ever in the U.S. Open. Uh, two penalty strokes or not, he was headed that way regardless. Um, you know, you just had a lot of high scores. Uh, and, and and some very very good players. Even a guy, I always find it, I always find it, um, it, it carries a lot more weight when a guy actually does okay and complains. And Zach Johnson shot 72. You know, the scoring average was over 75. He shot 72, and he came in and he said they let the golf course get away. From him. I mean, you know, it's uh, uh, in other words, he was playing it. He did okay on it, and he still felt it was unfair. Hey, Bob, and Thursday it was tougher than heck, and the wind was blowing, but nobody complained because it wasn't, you know, it was it was no. a fair golf course on uh, Thursday. It was, uh, you know, they, for one reason being they didn't have the stupid pin placements. 
Exactly. And, and also, I think what helped was, you know, it had rained on Wednesday. And so there was some moisture in the greens. And, and even with those strong winds, um, you know, uh, obviously it was, uh, it was harder in the afternoon um, uh, as, as the day wore on. But still, there was, you know, it, the, the scoring was, was uh, uh, just sort of what you would expect for Shinnecock. Four guys broke hard. It was a very, very hard day. Uh, and and then Saturday, uh, Friday, when it was kind of misty and raining in the morning again, that, that just took a little bit of the edge off the golf course. And you saw a couple of more good, decent scores. It was it was trending in the right direction. Dustin Johnson was the only player under par four under through two rounds. I mean, you know, he got an incredibly raw deal. It's hard to believe yes. that he could have shot seventy seven. He took thirty eight putts yes. on on uh, Saturday. I mean, you know, it's because he couldn't keep the ball around the hole. He had to be so defensive. Hey, Bob, uh, that's what amazed me, though, was Dustin yesterday uh, never made the adjustment to the new greens. He never got the ball a hole all day. Now he was 35-plus yesterday. Yes. Yesterday was more of a day where, where, where he could have done something and he wasn't able to. Uh, and, you know, the bottom line is he was tied for the lead. He, he, he still was tied for the lead. He had every opportunity, uh, you know, to do what uh, Brooks Kessler did, and uh, it, didn't, it didn't work out for him. Uh, wasn't, he wasn't able to, uh, you know, put, to, to put it together, uh, and, and he finished two shots back, you know. I mean, but, man, you, you got to think that he would love to have had two or three back from Saturday yes. when it was a lot more out of his control. Uh, Bob Herrig's with us. Bob, uh, Brooks Kepka, uh, two victories in the U.S. Open, one elsewhere on the PGA Tour. I don't think he's Andy North, though. This is, uh, I don't think he's Andy North just popping up and winning a couple of Opens. This guy's, uh, this guy's a heck of a player. Yeah, he sure is. And, uh, you know, he did win a big tournament in Japan last year, towards the end of the year, that, that most people overlook. Uh, he, you know, one of the big reasons he hasn't won other events since uh, last year's U.S. Open, he's been injured. You know, he missed four months this year with a wrist injury, and then he didn't play from January until after the Masters, and he, and he became a little bit of an afterthought. Uh, but I mean, it's pretty remarkable to think that he missed all that time and uh, has played some really good golf since he had a really good Players' Championship, uh, and obviously winning the U.S. Open again in a wildly different golf. Than, uh, than the one he won on last year. Uh, it's pretty. It's pretty impressive. It's funny. Uh, they never. Uh, they never get in this kind of predicament at Pebble Beach, uh, do they? They never. They never make the course unplayable at Pebble Beach. Uh, they just, those greens just aren't made for uh, turning into asphalt. I would guess, huh? Yeah, I mean those those greens have a defense mechanism of their own. They're, they're, even though they're a similar surface to Shinnecock, they're very just by their nature and being on the water like they are out there, they're very bumpy, you know, and as the day rolls on, you know, they're not quite as smooth as, as, as they're used to seeing all the time. And I think that's a pretty good defense. Uh, and, 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 you know, the golf course is just sort of, if you put rough on that course, uh, which they will obviously do, uh, it, 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 has, it, it brings its own challenges into play. Uh, you know, some of those some of those coastal hole, holes, there's very little margin for error. If you want to take on the, uh, uh, you know, the cliffs, you know, you do so at your own peril. To avoid them, uh, you're probably going to be in the rough. 
you know, and, and uh, even, at, you know, obviously at Shinnecock, yeah, hitting on the rough was no bargain. Guys who were in it really struggled to make par. That was a great thing Kepka did yesterday. Got up and down for some amazing pars. Uh, and uh, that'll be the case next year in Pebble. You know, I'm sure that that uh, it, it will be, you know, set up difficult again. Uh, you know, except for Tiger in 2000 yes. when he was 12 under. Remember, everybody else was three over or worse. <laughs> you know, so uh, you know that was that was the outlier there. So uh, I, I think you know, you're right. They don't seem to have to do as much with that golf golf course to to keep it relevant. And frankly, they didn't have to do that much with Shinnecock. Um, you know, we were trending toward a you know a two, three, four, five hundred par winner. You know, and, and what's wrong with that? Yep. Uh, I thought it was going to be six under par. I think that you and I might have talked about that last week. That was my prediction. Six under par. Uh, and Dustin was four to two rounds. But he was the only one under par. You know, so it, what, what would have been the problem with that, you know? Uh, but they, they, And then, so obviously, they went way too far the other way. And, and, and it's, it's what everybody's talking about. Hey, Bob, uh, we're getting a, uh, it's official now, we're getting a PGA Tour event here uh, next year, the 3M Open. They're going to change their sponsorship from the Champions Tour to the uh, regular tour. That increases the purse from $1.75 million to six and a half. But uh, uh, it's going to be, in all likelihood, it's going to be July 4th week. Uh, that's That hasn't been a coveted week for a lot of uh, places uh, on the on the tour. Do you, do, do, can you get a decent Field on uh, the on July Fourth week. Well, in in recent years, it's proven to be tough. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean it won't be a great tournament, and that there won't be good players there, and that won't be wildly supported. I mean, um, your market loves golf, and and and, and uh, you know, turns out for it, and in big numbers when the events have been there. Um, the problem with that time of year now, and you know, look at what we're talking about is Tiger Woods is losing its tournament. Yes. Uh, now obviously, they don't have a title sponsor, uh, and that's the ultimate reason. But you know, there's there's also reasons why a title sponsor has felt that they're maybe not getting you know their uh, you know their due uh, with his tournament. Uh, it, the fields have been mediocre at best. Uh, they haven't always been at a great golf course. But, you know, obviously when they go to congressional, it's good. It hasn't, like, this year and last year, it's not it's not being played there. Uh, Tiger not playing it every year due to his various injuries and things hasn't helped them. Uh, and But the, probably the biggest thing is, you know, it's, it's, it's a time when a lot of the European uh, players who are on the PJ Tour head over to Europe. There's really good tournaments in Europe. Uh, the Irish Open, the Scottish Open, and the French Open all precede the, the British Open, and those are those are some of their best tournaments. Uh, so they, a lot of their guys who play that team also play over there. Then, so you, you you miss out on Sergio's and John Rahm and Justin Rose and Henrik Stenson and some of those guys. Uh, but that doesn't mean you're not going to get Ricky Fowler or uh, you know Patrick Reed or or you know. Some you know guys like that, you know, guys Brooks Koepka, for example, or Daniel Berger. There's there's plenty of good players. And, um, you know, it's, I think it's great for Minneapolis to get a, to get a tour event. Uh, you know, Detroit is getting one also. You know, these are big markets that don't have golf. Uh, and uh, you know, 
there's a lot of big markets that don't have it. Now they're going to have it. It's really good for that. Hey, Bob, thanks for your time, and uh, we'll talk to you later, sir. Sounds good. Thank you very much. All right, uh, Bob Herrig. Uh, we're talking to him. He's at LaGuardia, if you heard the background noise there. But, uh, hey, we had a chance to get him on after one of the, not one of the greatest U.S. Opens ever, but certainly one of the most interesting, thanks to our guy Phil and the U.S. 